0: better sleep through machine learning. I'm Tanya Hall, and joining me is Dr. Stefan Bauer, research group leader with the Max Planck Institute for Intelligent Systems. Welcome, Dr. Bauer.
1: Thanks a lot for inviting me, Tanya.
0: So give us a quick summary of your professional background in robotics and artificial intelligence, please.
1: So currently I'm a research group leader at the MPI for Intelligent Systems. And previously I studied uh, mathematics in my bachelor and master's at ETH Zurich before doing a master's in, so just a master's project at UC Berkeley and continuing with a PhD in machine learning at ETH before then finally transitioning to MPI for Intelligent Systems where I became a research group.
0: You're a part of a group that uses sleep data from humans and animals to evaluate and measure the quality of sleep. Tell us about that work and the role machine learning plays in all of that.
1: That is true. We are quite interested in sleep and, 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 and as an overall na- process and likewise interested in deploying and uh, developing machine learning methods for sleep. And one of the reasons why we are interested is that like overall, if you look at it, we spend one third of our time sleeping and that likewise generates a, a lot of data but has a huge impact on our life quality. So, for example, if you imagine if you didn't sleep a night too well, then you will feel it the next day. And there are, interestingly enough, quite a lot of uh, metabolic uh, processes regulating sleep. And it's fairly interesting to, for example, identify um, the underlying processes and, for example, genes which have an effect on the sleeping pattern. And for this, we collaborate with a lot of labs and provide services, for example, a sleep server to these biological labs where we then um, get access to data and provide them with, the current, um, with current state-of-the-art machine learning tools to, for example, label their sleep data.
0: What tools do you use to capture the base sleep data?
1: So we ourselves don't, don't capture the data. So the, the, the data is typically captured in, in biological or medical labs. And they typically use EEG or MEG data. And EEG is much more common. And for this, you typically have electrodes, um, for example, in in certain caps or in wearables like uh, headbands. um, For humans or for animal sleep, you actually have electrodes typically directly um, inserted into the brain.
0: Why do you include animal data in the research? How does animal sleep relate to human sleep?
1: So for the the close connection between um, Animals and, and humans, I'm not directly sure if I'm the right person. So a couple of um, patterns are very, um, are very um, are shared and, and similar. So for example, they have the same underlying, roughly the same underlying structure in the same scoring mechanism in, on a high level. So um, animals have, uh, humans have typically more different sleep stages. But the recordings itself to an, not a specialist would, would look similar. And um, then they have um, some, some differences. So for example, the recordings of uh, humans are much more noisy because they, the electrodes are, are outside the brain. While for animals, we typically have the electrodes directly placed into the brain. The difference is then again, that for example, for animals, there are, um, they are uh, drugs or, or genetic um, mutations which have a significant effect on sleeping. And you actually see quite a lot of strange patterns in the data you record. And the reason you you actually um, investigate this this animal data well, of us one of the reasons to investigate animal data was actually more data sharing. So one of the key reasons to start with animal data was that that can be shared more much more freely shared and, and transferred to a cloud service, which we then which then provides. Um, uh, scoring. So, for example, for each epoch, you actually need to say in which sleeping phase the animal is. So, for example, if it's wake, if it's sleep, if it's in a deep sleep phase, and, and that is a lot of manual and, and, and time-consuming work for a specialist. So, over the over the night, so let's say over 12 hours, or so typically they are scored even for 24 hours, you need to label every four-second epoch, and that's a lot. So that's over 10,000 epochs, which you have to manually label. And that's, of course, if you a very tiresome job. So you typically have a screen, and then there are these multiple electrodes displayed, and they, they just go from left to right. And then you need to say for each epoch what kind of sleep or, or phase um, you are in. And um, since, a, since a specialist needs to do it, then you actually take away a lot of research time for these people to conduct otherwise very meaningful research by just labeling um, the data.
0: How does research like this help us improve machine learning and artificial intelligence in general?
1: So in general, I would say it's, um, there are different benchmarks. So one of the key research areas in, 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 in in the past years has likewise been sequence models. And for us, this is basically a benchmark to develop sequence models and labeling for um, for, for large machine learning models for real world problems. So it's a time series problem. And then you need to predict and classify or do conditional generation on this real world data. So it's The interesting part for me is in particular that it's very noisy, but it has, um, it's very noisy. It has a lot of um, mutations or strange patterns. And still there's some underlying structure which is shared between all these uh, species and variations. And so it's a very general benchmark, I would say to develop and advance these sequence models.
0: How might your work result in better sleep for everyone?
1: So this is a is a very long term project, I would say. So long term, this would of course be the dream for multiple researchers, but it's not clear that um, that we can necessarily achieve that in the short term. So long term, and um, there, I believe one of the key parts still is data acquisition. So once we move to actually variables and home-based devices for recording, the data problem will be will be much more solved or, or actually um, interesting. So right now, a lot of the data we get is from clinicians, where you go and then sleep a night at the clinician's hospital or bed. And that is, of course, then typically already a different night to what you would spend at home. So typically you sleep much worse than in your own bed. And the recordings is, of course, then uh, much shorter, for example, of your sleep, uh, deep sleep uh, phases. So right now, one of the key transitions in the field is, I believe, uh, actually moving From data acquisition techniques, um, which are based in the clinic, to variables at home. So, for example, headbands or small devices you can take at home and measure your sleep on a daily basis. And from there, it actually is very interesting to then uh, label the sleep and investigate, for example, um, if you have a stable pattern, how you can actually, for example, transition into more of these deep sleep phases. But that's still a long, long long-term array. So, one reason to do this research is actually about understanding sleep. And then a next long-term project, I would say, is about influencing sleep. So right now, we are just starting to understand sleep or, or starting the process of understanding sleep better, these machine learning models. And then the next step will actually be about influencing the sleep. There are some companies which promise to do that already, but I believe it's, it's a very hard problem in the very, mm, it's, it's very, very early stage.
0: Dr. Stefan Bauer, Research Group Leader with the Max Planck Institute for Intelligent Systems. If somebody wants to connect with you, maybe they want to follow your work. Uh, Stefan, how can they do that?
1: The easiest way is actually to visit our homepage at the MPI for Intelligent Systems. So if you uh, visit that homepage, we have all our employees listed. And for example, you can find my profile or you can like us, follow us on Twitter, for example, for the Real Robot Challenge at Robot Challenge um, as a Twitter handle.
0: Thanks again for joining us.
1: Thanks a lot for inviting me, Tonya.
0: Of course. And find and subscribe to more of my interviews right here on ZDNet, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or at tanyahall.net. Thanks for watching.